when we get to to the states the guide said to him listen that leader i don't trust it can we change it but by god's miracle one of the nods gave up on him and we came back and we were like bro if should you have listened to your guide the nod would never have given up on you first rule of going with the guide listen to your guide in this episode we speak to Trevor Sitole we talk to him about how it was growing up in Tindela village and then going on to become an international fly fishing guide Trevor literally worked on a dairy farm from moo cow to milkfish this is Trevor's story I'm your host Gordon van der Spey don't panic this is the fellow mechanic I met you I think it was, I'm not sure if it was 2014 or 2015. And I met you in Tendela. And just for our listeners, Tendela is a small village in KwaZulu-Natal. And I met you via Linda Gorle, who asked me to come to Tendela to teach tying. Uh, Because she wanted to basically see if there was... If the, she wanted it, see. If, she wanted me to do a feasibility study to see if one could start a fly tying factory in Tendela, and that's where I met you. And yeah. and the thing that kind of stood out for me about you was that you loved fishing. I mean, <laughs> after, ten minutes after I met you, you were showing me photos of every brown trout you'd ever caught in the river, right there. <laughs> so so tell me, where did you start? Um, how did this whole thing happen for you? Um, yo, long story short, Gordon, um, it's funny you reminded me about the fly tying lessons that you gave us. I still remember the three flies that we started with. One of them was a damsel um, imitation. Um, one of them was the comeback nymph, obviously us coming from the comeback area. And then one of them was the standard black woolly bugger. <laughs> and yeah, I remember those days very, very well. Um, yeah, got in. So where it basically started for me, um, we sort of in the area where I'm coming from, Tendela, um, Richard and Linda, basically the Gole family, they had met with one of the local guys, um, Richard Kumalo. And they suggested to start a a team that will um, sort of get all the youngsters who were interested in the fishing industry to start off um, fishing and learn fly fishing and um, recreational sport. Um, environmental studies were involved a little bit with the whole process and all of that, um, taking care of our river system and our land as a whole, um, making sure the land is clean, the river was good and presentable to fish. The, the trout in the river were sort of in a healthy state where um, not everyone will go and do their laundry at the river and all of that stuff. Um, and yeah, in the long run, slowly, slowly, um, sort of we, we started uh, developing and generating more skills and all of that. Um, getting everyone, more people involved. Um, yeah, it's it's been quite a yeah, it's been quite a long run. So you start there, and you start with this program that Linda and Richard basically started, uh, and then what happened from there? Um, I was working in a uh, neighboring farm. There is a farm um, 
back home, which is closer to, to where I'm from, Tendela. It's called Riverside Mola Farm. Um, I worked at a farm um, you know, more than anything because it's, it's, it's a dairy farm. But obviously mm-hmm. to run a dairy, you need food source for all the cattle. You need um, people um, producing crops and all of that or growing crops and all of that. And then the dairy aspect where you are actually milking the cows, um, that's basically what I was doing. Okay, so now you go from the farm milking cows, you get an opportunity through Peter Taliat and you go to Bolivia. Yep, um, yeah, well, yes. How was that for you? <laughs> when it when it first happened, got in, it was uh, it was a little bit scary because look, I had never done much guiding um, at home itself, so it was a new thing. Like to a sense, I didn't even realize that um, fishing can be turned or a hobby fishing can be turned onto onto making a living out of it. So now you're in Bolivia, okay, and you're guiding. What what were some of the things you learned there? Uh, uh, like, because I mean, you you were saying that you hadn't really guided before, so, yeah. so you haven't really guided before, and your first gig is in Bolivia. I mean, that's not really conventional, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, flip. It was yo. I so I want to say I got thrown in the deep end of the pool because that was one that was international um, gig and. Having not really spent a little bit of time to sort of know and understand what guiding is all of all about, um, yeah, that's sort of where I started really um, learning and understanding um, the guiding aspect of things. Um, and then after after learning and understanding the guiding, it was the culture, um, which was really good. Seeing different cultures, seeing how people live in different sides of the world, um, that was really good. Meeting all different people from all over the world, um, that was that was something else. Eh? It was quite a cool experience. <laughs> there's uh, <laughs> there's uh, obviously um, days of joy and there's obviously days of tears um, where... Yeah, there's if I can start mentioning names from now, um, of the guys I had to contact and be like, Hey, listen, this happened on the water whilst I was guiding, and this guy was being a total um bad word. <laughs> and how how do I deal with this? How do I approach all of that? Um, what okay, whoa, whoa, let me well, no, no, you're telling me things now. Let's get specific, give yeah. me. Give me, give me like a specific, like negative experience whilst guiding. Like, like what would clients do? Um, one, which is quite a funny one, <laughs> and it happened. And we, so just usual day. Um, this was maybe month number four, five of my guiding, and obviously I learned a little bit. So. One of the one of the things that we do um, with regards to saving both the fish, so you don't really damage the fish half as much, um, saving yourself as an angler, and also saving your guide who is always around you, who is always around the fly line that has a hook at the end, and that potentially could hook one of you between you and your guide, mm-hmm. is squash the barb. Simple. It's the basic rule of thumb when it comes to fishing 
it's always safer if you don't have the barb on your hook. And without even thinking about it, I didn't even ask the guy. And I went ahead and squashed the barb. And he was like, mm-hmm. hey, whoa, whoa, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm squashing the barb. He's like, why the, would you do that? That's my hook. You know how much time I spent tying that fly? And now you're going... Now, when I hook the fish, I'm going to lose the bloody thing. Well, sorry for that. But anyways, he started like going crazy. And I'm like, listen, it, I'm sorry, but it, it's just one of those. You don't even think about asking when you are guiding. You always, after tying the fly on, just squash the pup and then we could, we can go. And he was, no, but they're so wrong. I mean, he's so wrong. I mean, let's think about this. A barb offers pen, uh, a barb offers resistance, right? It's yeah. actually a harder harder for a hook to penetrate the fish's mouth with a barb with the barb without the barb. Exactly, exactly. So you actually helping him to catch fish because let's face it, like I like I don't, I've never seen a dorado, okay, a mm. golden dorado, but yeah, I, yeah. I, from from photos, it looks like they've got fairly hard mouths. Am I right? It's basically you are trying to punch a hook through a bone that's basically all it is because there is there is a tiny little layer of flesh like very thin um yes. you don't that flesh that amount of flesh doesn't even go past the bar point and then after that you have to try and drill that hook onto a bone that's how tough those mouths are um you see and yeah. so drilling drilling this hook into bone you don't want a barb. But this is the thing, Brew. This is, this is a major thing. A lot of these guys who come on these trips, you know, they have a guide, but they still think they know more than the guide. And very <laughs> often that's not the case, you know, mm, yeah, as yeah, you've yeah. seen here. One of the things that happened when I was in the Seychelles, we obviously, Alphonse Fishing Company had been running there for a long time. And they've got returning guests and all of that. And this was my first season on Alphans. Um, it was towards the end of the season. So basically, it was towards a full nine, nine months period. Mm-hmm. Um, then, um, obviously, look, it is my first season, 100%, but it's month number nine of nine months worth um, per season. So mm-hmm. I'd learned tricks here and there and i have quite understood the tidal movements and all of that so anyways long story short this guy came and first thing when he came everyone started complaining oh god why is he back again this season so anyways (laughs) it's just the type you you can just feel the mood from the guides sort of going off um look our guests they are always brilliant like a good 99% of them, they are always amazing. But then all, every now and again, you get just 1% that all the guides will be like, I'm guiding him first just so I'm done with him for the week. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, anyways, I don't even know if I should be this, but anyways, it, it happens. It's, it's a fact. Like, it's, it's, it's that truth we cannot run away from. So anyways... Um, now, this guy comes, and I'm guiding him. I think I was guide number three or four um, for, for guiding him for the week. And 
first thing when he jumped onto my boat first question was trevor how many seasons have you been guiding here i was like yeah it's my first season um i've been learning a hell of a lot i've been trying to put as much hours into it and understanding and all of that trying to learn the sports and the tricks and all of that um yeah so today it's it's gonna be all about going out and having fun and having a bit of a chill time in between try and catch a fish if we do catch a fish it's gonna be victory claimed so let's go out and smash it and he was like, okay, well, good. That's that's good to hear. I like the spirit and the positivity. Um, listen, I've been I've been coming here for about 15 seasons. This is my season number 16 or whatever it was. I'm just taking a wild guess of the numbers. Like I can't really yeah. remember the exact number he was talking about. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, so basically I've been coming here for this much. And yeah, I do know this these atolls quite a hell of a lot. I'm like, okay, well, cool you and i are gonna help each other like where you think we should be doing this you just let me know um where i feel we should be doing this the tide is allowing us allowing us to be doing this we we should then just do exactly that he was like okay cool let's go um then we ran across on a skiff from alphonse island to saint francois island which is about a call it a good 30 minutes run just to be safe anyways sea conditions are relatively good like actually quite good like almost flat i i ran on full taps almost almost the whole way across because Mm -hmm. the sea conditions were allowing us to do that um halfway across he stopped me he's like trevor listen um what are the tides doing so i told him what the tides were doing because i looked at the tide chart obviously in the morning before i go out guiding so he's like Mm -hmm. okay um for start i don't think that's what the tide is doing i looked on my phone this morning and my phone didn't tell me that so i think your numbers are quite inaccurate so you you must reconsult your your tide chart and and see what is happening there i'm like okay well cool sorry about that but i've got my numbers written down here and yeah if i took wrong numbers for maybe i don't know three days later whatever the case is um yeah we'll just look at the water and see what the water is doing because that's another thing you you can actually go out and guide without looking at the tight numbers um and just look at the water and see what the water is doing so anyways long story short he's like yeah well um that's mistake number one. Oh, okay thanks for specifying but anyways um <laughs> All right. So what do you think we do? He's like, oh, he he asked me, what is your plan for the day? I'm like, okay, this is this is what we'll do. So start the whole plan from from the morning. We'll go and do this um, bonefish permit. Um, There's a chance GTs will come because obviously they eat the same bonefish that we will be catching, et cetera, et cetera. And later on, when the tide is almost dead low, um, I will get us onto the surf environment where we'll be looking for trigger fish and it's a nice big spring tide. Um, we'll be looking for trigger fish and GTs, giant travelers coming on the surf. It, it's yeah, we we've got a plan. Jones, hey, listen. Um, I think, yeah, with the numbers of the tide, we, we must start by looking for a milkfish, which you look for the milkfish out not inside the lagoon, you look for it out in the open ocean predominantly um and then after looking for a milkfish we then go and do a little bit look for a permit i don't have time for bonefish i don't want to catch a bonefish i've caught shit tons of those so yeah we go and rather look for a permit and then last move of the day we go and look for a gt on the surf i'm like well 
that can all be done just last move of the day will not allow us to go on the surf the tide is going to be way too high for us to be able to wait um so yeah we we cannot do that as our last move of the day the tide doesn't allow us to do that hey trevor listen i've been i've been coming here for 15 season whatever the number was so i know my way around i'm like okay well cool well <laughs> not i'm just gonna listen to you you tell me trevor drive to this spot i'm gonna drive to that spot if i had the authority of giving you the skiff i would have done that but unfortunately i'm not allowed to do that um I'm, I'm I'm just going to be here to drive you around. You tell me what you want to do when, basically. Um, obviously, like trying to be as polite as possible with the guy. And yeah, we ended up following his plan and it ended up not really working quite the way he had planned it was going to work. And uh, yeah, when by the time he said, let's go and look for a permit, it was already almost dead low. So basically all the sand flats where permit usually uh Rome, there was no water. It was born dry. It was just sand. And I said to him, listen, before we even run there, I think the tide is way too far ahead of you. And it, it's gonna be there's gonna be no water when we get there. He's like, hey listen, I've been coming here for 15 years, whatever the number was. <laughs> let's let's drive there. I'm like, okay, cool. Sorry, bro. let's go. So we go, we get there. Obviously, I looked at my tide and everything, so I knew there was going to be no water. So there was no water. And he's like, oh, um, shit, so the tide is slightly off. I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> the tide slightly off, you slightly <laughs> off, bro. <laughs> so now already the vibe is just sour on the boat. He's just really not, not enjoyable. And now he's starting to get aggressive and all of that because obviously he had missed the tide and all of that. Now I'm like, okay, let's try and save the day. Let's now drive straight to the flat, sorry, to the surf and fish the incoming tide because the tide is beginning. It's actually starting to turn now. That's how far off we are. Um, it's starting to turn now. So let's try and run to the quickest and the easiest surf we can get to. And yeah, we will fish that. He's like, no, that's not happening. Listen, let's go and walk on the finger flat. Like, I'm sure one of the finger flats will have water. I'm like, yeah, bro, listen, there's going to be water, but it's just not going to be, there's nothing, there's no life. Like, the tide is beginning to come in now. If we want to catch fish, we need to be on the surf now come back with the water, following the water back to the flats. He's like, no, 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 I've been coming here for that same number, 15, whatever it was. And yeah, I'm, <laughs> uh, you just listen to me, basically. I'm like, okay, well, cool. We do whatever you want to do. So by the end of the day, which not end of the day, four o'clock, which is lines up, but end of the day, um, around about two o'clock, which I had obviously um, had enough of, um, being told what to do and every time it's not working, it was always my fault because I'm the guide. I should have, I should have known these things. So eventually I'm like, Hey, listen, you can't tell me it's my fault. I'm the guide. I should have known this thing. Like I've been telling, trying to tell you the whole day, it's not going to work that way. Let's do it this way. And you kept on telling me about the same number 15. And to be honest with you, 
I'm not going to take it. It's not my fault, but I don't want to pin it onto you, but that's basically what it is. You've been telling me what to do this whole day. Um, and then he then responded. He was like, hey, Trevor, listen. Now he's getting all mad and aggressive. Listen, you are getting paid to be here. I am paying to be here. So you do whatever the F word I am telling you to, to do. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Let's let's do it one last time. I'm gonna tell us to oh, I'm gonna tell you to do what I'm telling you to do, and that is get on the boat now. I've got a very good spot for you where I think there is a good potential for us to find something good there. So he jumps onto the boat, he's all aggressive and angry, angry. Start the motor, run from Saint Francois all the way across to Alphonse. Halfway gone, he stops me. He's like, why are you taking me back to Alphonse? I did not pay to go and fish Alphonse. I paid to fish St. Francois. That's where the fish are. I'm like, listen, I've I've got a plan here. Can you just give me a little bit of time? I've been giving you time. You've been telling me what to do this whole time. Can you give me a little bit of time? Then um, you will see it. There's something good coming. Because... Really, I did not really um, want to be rude to the guy. And that's what the management told us to do. If you cannot deal with the guest, try and be as polite as possible. Um, Come back with the guy and let the management deal with it. And again, another funny story. Um, Now on our trip to to the States, um, (laughs) which was quite funny because we, we gave the guy so much shit because he failed to do one thing that you are supposed to do as a guest. Listen to your guide. The first rule of going with a guide, listen to your guide. Whatever your guide tells you, do exactly that. And I mean, the guy, we guide with him in the Seychelles. And when we get to to the States, the guide said to him, listen, that leader, I don't trust it. Can we change it? And, I mean, the guy guides in the Seychelles. He fishes for permits in the Seychelles. He guides people onto permits in the Seychelles. And when he gets to America, he wanted to fish the leader he always uses for permits, which it would have worked. But by God's miracle, it ended up not really working. One of the Nords gave up on him. And we came back and we were like, bro, should you have listened to your guide? the note would never have given up on you. First rule of going with the guide, listen to your guide. Let's take a step back. How did you get to the Seychelles? How did that happen? Um, yeah, so the Seychelles. Now, I had spoken to, to the guys in the Seychelles. Um, funny story, I... Because when when I started this whole thing, remember, I'm coming from a rural community where there's not really a hell of a lot of technology. There's not really a hell of, of a lot of resources. So at the point in time, I sort of want to say I didn't even know that email addresses ex- existed. Like I knew about it, but I thought <laughs> it was just something that was rocket science not everyone can do it it's just it's not for everyone put it that way so Mm -hmm. the only thing i had at that point in time was um my facebook 
Facebook account. So then, yeah, I sent Devan, who he manages um, Alphans, and I sent him a message on on Facebook looking for a job, and he replies by just a bunch of LOL, 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 and a bunch of um, laughing heads, those emojis. He's like, listen, my bro, that's not how you apply for a job, not on Facebook. Don't you know there's <laughs> something called an email where you can actually put your CV onto it, put a good, well-written motivational letter where you tell the people you are talking with, who you are, what you do, and all of that, and then you you basically send it. It just makes life a little bit more formal. You know what I mean? Facebook mm-hmm. is just for making friends more than anything else. And yeah, you, you basically don't apply for a job on Facebook. <laughs> he then proceeded by saying, listen, do a copy and paste of exactly everything you did or you said on Facebook, copy paste that onto your email and send me an email with your CV. And I was like, okay, well, one, I don't even know what how to send an whatever. Well, anyways, long story short, <clears throat> that was way before I even um, thought I was going to start guiding in the Seychelles. Then in the process of things, because that was before I even got a job in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. So then it was a job in Bolivia. Then it was then um, Tudo from the Mission Fly Fishing Magazine. He he then um, had a thing about Trevor Sitole on the Mission Fly Fishing Magazine, which I really, really enjoyed seeing and loved it. And he, he when I was in Bolivia, now when I was in Bolivia, he sends me a uh, message and he's like, hey, Trev, listen, the guys in, in the Seychelles, they are looking for guides. Are you keen to go and guide in the Seychelles? I was like, fuck yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. So, I mean, your whole journey has been through referral, if you think about this. Mm, to be quite fair and honest, um, basically, almost from, in fact, from from the first time I ever held a fly rod in my hand, it was just through hands of people, like a bunch of people coming together, helping out. What was your first fish? On a fly rod. A rainbow trout, which I was with Matt Golly in the Comeback Nature Reserve. He came after they came like two, three times doing training with casting and all of that. Matt Golly came and I was fishing a backcountry from Explorer. Um, I still love those rods. They are flipping bulletproof. Like thinking about it, I was personally abusing those things i should have broken one or two of them but anyways long story (laughs) short um (laughs) we uh, now met golly he he then comes up he's just fishing all by himself and i think he was training for nationals that were came coming or something and he he needed someone to keep him company and um I was available, then I went up there, like actually a bunch of us, like there was quite a few of us going up there. And he was like, hey, listen, you guys bring your rods. If you want to fish, you can fish. Obviously, being from the area, um, the nature reserve didn't really make us pay any rod fees or whatever. So we could just phone in, hey, listen, I'm coming fishing. 
And then if there's no guests at the dams, then you can go and fish. So then Matt was like, hey, listen, these guys can pull in. Obviously, Matt at the time, he was still young. So he came up with his parents. Um, he couldn't drive or anything. He was still, still, he was still in school young. back then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Dude, I think that Nationals was, I can't remember what year it was, but it was 2012 or 13 or it was there. It was for 14. It was, it was way back then. Yeah, I think so. Something like this. So then when he came, um, then I took my backcountry road and I went and stood by him. He was obviously on, on, on my left-hand side because he obviously, <laughs> no offense to you, um, Matt, but he obviously didn't trust my casting. So he wanted me on the right-hand side because I'm casting with my right, um, with my right hand. He didn't want to be pinned with a hook or anything. <laughs> so then I'm casting a, uh, it was quite a fast-sinking line, like a DI-3 or something. So I punched this thing out and he stood. And at the time, I mean, look, we are coming from a village where we don't, English is not our language and we don't speak much of it. So now you have to communicate in English the whole time. Now it's a bit of a challenge. Um, whatever he said, I only realized when I was like starting to understand exactly because I could remember word for word was, dude, you can actually cast. And <laughs> at the time I didn't even know what he was saying, but when, because I still remember very well, he said exactly, dude, you can actually cast. And he stopped for a bit, him, um, Linda and Richard came, they watched, and I started getting nervous in a sense, but I just kept on casting and, and kept on casting the whole time. He changed my leader and everything, put a fly on for me, and another cast, few casts later, I'd never caught a fish before, but I spent a hell of a lot of time just casting at home at the, at the, at the yard. So anyways, few casts later, I felt this tick, 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 thing on at the end of my line and I, I didn't really know what was happening so I just gave it like a hard pull because I thought my flies were getting stuck at the bottom or whatever and then this is Matt shouting at the top of his lungs dude you've got the fish and this is me panicking and rushing everything <laughs> the fish was a good 15 meters away from me and I just lift my rod and holding onto the line at the same time as hard as I could it wasn't uh -huh. a big fish like a small baby rainbow and there is this thing comes flying out of the water because I pulled it so, yanked the rod so hard, out of the water and poofs right here in front of us. But now there is this whole a good 15 meters slack line that I need to pick. And yeah, to my surprise, that thing just got stuck for a very long time and it didn't come off even with the slack line and everything. And uh, yeah, that was basically my first rainbow trout landed and caught on a fly rod. And then the whole fly tying thing, how did that happen? Did that also happen through Linda and Richard and Matt? It 100%. That's exactly where it all started. Um, and then obviously um, guys like yourself, which I, I can still maybe tie it a little bit better than the first damsels you showed me to tie. Um, but yeah, that's it, it. It was again a long journey. Um, I remember um, Matt came. He taught us to tie a uh, red-eyed damsel. Um, 
Richard taught me to tie a GRHE, the gold ribbed hesia, which was one of my first river flies I tied. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it, it was just developing from working with a lot of uh, other different guys, like the clinic you were talking about, that NFFC clinic you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I remember um, Pete Taliad, same guy, he he came with a bunch of material um, for tying flies, beads and hooks and um, actual material, dabbing and all of that. Um, Jan Korobal came in play. He he bought me a bunch of stuff, um, like a bunch of guys, guys that really they they've been there from from back there. Like I remember um, Jan Korobal. My, actually, my first uh, dragonfly nymph. Like I want to call it a proper imitation of a dragonfly nymph. Um, Jan Korobal actually taught me to tie that. Um, it, yeah, my fly tying, more than anything else, my fly tying developed from like a lot more people involved with it and fly construction and all of that. It was, uh, yeah, it was like a bunch of guys getting involved and fixing and, hey, listen, you don't do this. You don't, you do that. Instead of using this material, you don't use that. You use these. It, yeah, it was a bunch of guys. Question. Has your yes. view on fish changed? I mean, if I compare, if you compare the way you saw fish before you fished and the way you fish, uh, you see them after you you you've been fishing. What changed, or did anything change? Um, <laughs> funny. Um, back in the days when I saw fish, first thing I saw was food, and now I see a fish, first thing I see is a friend. Someone who will make me <laughs> your food became your friend. I love it. <laughs> it, it. That's exactly that's basically what happened. Like I try and communicate with this fish. Like I try and talk them onto eating flies. I try and hey, listen, <laughs> but this is okay, this is what I'm gonna do with my fly. This is what you must do in response to what I've done with my fly. You must see foo. So we we sort of, I feel like we have this interaction. Like I remember the one time, <laughs> this is actually one of the, I never really told anyone before, but this is one of the things that happened when I was polling, following a nice big jeet. Well, not a massive fish. It was like a good 97 centimeters or something like this. Um, and it's a giant travelly, beautiful fish, proper African fish, black like me. And I'm polling on the white sand and I'm skimming. <laughs> can't really remember the name of the guy. David, let's call him David. David, listen, there's the fish. Can you see it? And David is like, no, I cannot see it, Trevor. I'm sorry. And the fish is just slowly cruising away from us, not being spooked. Just He was just following his path, like his natural path. Mm-hmm. And I'm polling as fast as I can. And it's steaming hot. And these boats are heavy. And this wind is a tide. And instead of communicating with David, who he was my guest, at the back of my head, I started talking with this fish, like, bud, you need to tell, come on, help me out. You are not helping. Why are you swimming away? Just see something on your left corner and and turn to the left slightly. Then I'll get it. And it was so, so I don't really know what actually happened. I want to believe 
like there is a slight portion of me saying the fish may have had me or the fish gods had had me because the fish did turn to the left he saw something to chase and he chased it straight towards us like this and i'm like what are the chances my guests saw me like getting excited and all of that they thought i'm excited because now the fish is coming at us but i'm like could this fish have had me or was it the fish <laughs> what what actually have because the whole time i'm pushing going to the fish i'm like you, you need to t like come on just find something on your left eye if you turn to the left if you turn to the right there's no way you will see our fly or anything there's no way just turn to the left and that's exactly what the fish basically did so yeah from 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 food source to to having a uh friendship sort of a deal going with this fish that's more than anything that's <laughs> where it went to eh? and you see dude that's what i'm talking about when i'm talking about the whole concept of perception mm. i mean there we go i mean it's the same trevor it's the same fish but 100%. the relationship between the two has changed there's something changed. different why yeah. because of the way you think about it mm. I mean, as a lighty, would you ever have released a fish if you caught it? <laughs> no, not I'm honest. In, like, not in a million years. Like, I would never have thought of releasing the fish. You see, like, but, and that is the difference between being like education and not education. That's the exact difference. Education hmm. makes you think in a certain way. Uh, yeah, people think people think money is the solution to their problems. It's not. Being informed is. 100%. Um, another, <laughs> this is one of my best guiding days. Um, we now, let's call him Bob. I forgot his name. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, sir, out there. You know yourself. If you are listening to this podcast right now, you know exactly I'm talking about you because it only happened with one person and it was you. I'm, I'm just going to call you Bob. Um, now, <laughs> Bob, he, he's a legend. He, Bob, just so everyone sort of get an idea who Bob is. Bob is a gentleman who he was approaching his mid 80s of age, like 82s, 83s, 5s going there. So quite a fairly old gentleman and really respecting him a hell of a lot for being able to come out as far as going to the Seychelles, which is for him, it's halfway across the world coming from America. And he he came with his wife and I had the privilege of guiding Bob. And um, we, him being about 85 years old, obviously his sight is not going to be as good as mine. I am, I am about 60 years old, younger than Bob. And we saw, again, same story. Well, similar story. We saw a nice fish. At the point when I saw a fish, I thought I was looking at a ray because the fish was so far out of our range that it looked like it's a ray just cruising. And I pulled slowly. Like, I'm not even in a rush because I'm thinking it's a ray. And obviously, rays um, tend to attract GTs. So when we are looking for GTs, we mainly look for rays and sharks. So anyways, long story short, we saw this fish, which I thought it was a ray at the point when I first saw it, start pulling down towards it. And it's not really moving like crazily that it, it makes me give up chasing it. No, it's moving slightly towards us at a perpendicular angle. Like we, we will intercept with it. 
So I pull, get on to get close to the fish. Now I can actually see it's a fish. I'm like, Bob, listen, there's, there's a fish. Give him the whole direction at this clock of the boat at this distance. And he's like, Trevor, I'm sorry, I cannot see the fish. I'm like, okay, well, totally understood. Bob is not a young man. So pull him a little bit closer. And <laughs> again, Bob, now the fish is at 100 meters away from us. Still not casting distance, but it's just see the fish. So you will sort of have an idea where to put the fly and all of that. Bob still cannot see the fish. Now I'm like, Bob, listen, I, I want you to forget anything because the fish, I can see the fish is moving nowhere. He's just milling on the surface, go slightly to the left, come back. Now I can see the fish is actually sitting on top of a mudding ray and a mudding ray will only make mud when he's sitting stationary, not going anywhere. So I knew the fish was not going anywhere. So I'm pulling slowly, approaching the fish. Now we are like 50 meters close to the fish. Bob, the fish, keep on trying to give him, it's there, look for this. Eventually, eventually, after giving him every single instruction of what to look for, I then said, Bob, listen, look on the white sand flat look on the white sand flat, look for anything black that you can see. He turns around, he looks at me. And my first thought was maybe Bob didn't hear me. And then after that, he then keeps on looking at me. I'm like, Bob, <laughs> I'm saying, look. <laughs> and it just clicked. Like without him having to say any single word, it just clicked. Look at the only black thing on the white sand flat. Oh, uh, Bob, no, 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 not this one, not this black thing. <laughs> Look at the <laughs> other black thing we are trying to catch. <laughs> it was such a brilliant experience. Hey, look, we didn't catch the fish or anything, but just him being that age and being having that sort of a sense of humor, I absolutely loved it. And I started laughing at the same time I'm trying to get him onto the fish because the fish is still there. The fish is not spooked. <laughs> and... So we get like really close to the fish. And then eventually the wife who she was sitting down on the chair, reading a book, she sees the fish and he's like, Bob, just look. And now she's pointing, trying to get Bob. But now everyone is getting excited because the wife can see the fish and we start making noise and all of that. So the fish eventually spooked. When the fish started spooking, he's not bolting out yet. He's just slowly swimming away of us. Then Bob picked the fish up. And he's like getting really happy. Hey, Trevor, look, there's the fish. He's poking me with the rod tip, like trying to get me to see the fish. And I'm like, Bob, it's the same fish I've been trying to show you from 20 minutes when we started seeing that fish. And it was such a cool experience. I really, really loved it. See, that's and... what it's about, Bri. Even if you don't catch a fish. Fishing's not just about fishing. You know, I was writing a thing about, about it the other day. You know, you spend your whole life... Uh, catching fish you know when you first when you first want to when you when you first start fly fishing all you want to do is catch a fish yeah. then you want to catch True. hundreds of fish and then mm -hmm. you want to catch big fish and then yeah. one day it clicks it's not about the fish so you had to yeah. catch thousands of fish to realize it was never about them really it's not just about the fish a hundred percent and that same <laughs> Gentlemen, he, he then, towards the end of the day, look, we didn't fish a full day um, again. He, he then said to me at the end of our day, um, 
he's like, hey, listen, I'm sorry I messed up the shot and all of that, but for me, listen, seeing that fish, like I've caught quite a few fish GTs where the guy tell me cast at 11, 10 meters, 20 meters, whatever the case is, and oh, there's something at the end of my line. But I never really saw what was at the end of the, my line until I get it in my hands and be like, oh, there's a jit. Just seeing that fish for me was absolutely the best. <laughs> like, I know I didn't catch it. I know you want you badly wanted me to catch it. But for me to be able to see it, even if I saw it when it was swimming away for us, from us, where there was no opportunity that we would still catch it. But that was a very cool experience for me. And I was like, wow, okay. So it is true at the end of the day, it's not always about catching fish. What has your favorite fishing experience been? Like, like what, what's your favorite fishing to do? Yo, um, I'm still addicted to my river trout fishing. Um, I love it. This is... This I love is... it. You, you go to Bolivia, you catch his massive Dorado, you go to the Seychelles, <laughs> you catch his kingies. Nah, he wants a brown trout. I love it. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm still, uh, yeah, my river trout fishing, I, it's still, I'm still addicted to that. Like, small, tiny river, dry fly. If west comes to west, I can catch it on a nymph. But uh, yeah, I, I still love my brown trout fishing. Eh? Do you ever speak Zulu in your guide? Um. Yes. <laughs> Funny enough, yes. When when I get too excited, my English tends to shy away, and I start speaking Isizulu. Or <laughs> when I get <laughs> like really, really not knowing what to say to the guy for him to to the guy to understand what I am saying. Like there's days where what I've started doing, especially when it comes to casting, mm-hmm. um, I'll just say, hey, listen, borrow me your rod. This is what I'm saying do because I don't have words to explain. I ran out of, I don't know what to say anymore. Just look at what I'm doing and do it. So before I got myself into that habit of, instead of trying to explain, just do it. I would mm-hmm. start speaking Isizulu. Like English will just shy away and I'll start speaking Isizulu. I remember the one time we, this was back in Bolivia, we had this massive fish sitting and holding on a current line. But in front of us, there's two not very big boulders, but like big enough that you can actually hide from behind them. So the fish doesn't see you and, and cast to the fish. And I kept on trying to say, hey, listen, do this. The guy just couldn't get the right cast. And eventually, eventually, after trying to explain as much as I could, he he went and did one cast. And I'm like, shit, that will spook him for sure. But for some reason, the fish just woke up and ate the fly. I got so happy <laughs> that I started, the whole thing I said to the guy was across in Isizulu, everything. Like, literally, after hooking the fish, I started speaking Isizulu, like, like fluently and crazily, and I'm just so happy and excited. And the guy is like, his eyes are like this big. He's giving, hey, what What did you just, what are you saying? I'm like, I could hear he's asking me what I am saying. I still responded, funny enough, I still responded exactly in Isizulu. And then in the process of things, I started thinking, oh, shit, hang on. What did I just say? 
but yeah, when I get too excited, um, yeah, my Isisulu just comes out, eh? Um, a lot of my guests, like, they will come and ask, hey, so you being from South Africa, what, what is your native language? I'm like, Isisulu. And they're like, they will start saying, like, how to say this, how to say this, how to say this. <laughs> it's always just the best watching, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the words with Q in them or all of the clicking sounds, like yeah. Kosa, um, all of that. Yeah, it we like a lot of the times we will stop fishing and just start laughing on the boat. <laughs> oh man, listen, yeah, it's been fantastic chatting to you, it's been actually so cool. Um, and I've been wanting to chat to you for a while now. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad we hooked this up. I think it's cool. Awesome, thank you so much. Really enjoyed, and uh, yeah, looking forward to many more of these to come in the near future. <laughs>